Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the State of America podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ian Rice, and with me, as always, Mr. David Hudson. David, how are you, sir? Ian, I am great. It's great to see your beautiful face this early in the morning. I know, early Sunday mornings. I'd say the same about you, but you're sitting in the dark, which is uh, odd. So <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a mood lamp here, man. I told you I'm going to start recording. I like recording in the dark. You can see my face. That's all you need. That's true. That is all I need. Trying to trying to set the vibe, Ian. I got some uh, Nag Champa burning over there early <laughs> on a Sunday morning in my man room in the dark. Mm, okay, just as long as you don't start, uh, you know, humming or anything. <laughs> so we had the black, first Black Crows trivia episode out, and uh, we had a lot of fun doing that. Definitely plan on doing another one. Yeah. So the next person we'll get, I have to go up against Steve Gleason, and we'll keep doing that. Uh, almost like a tournament. Yeah, the winner stays on kind of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, I thought it was fun. and I thought some of the stuff we did was really easy. Some of it obviously was super, super deep. It doesn't shock me that Steve Gleason won it, but there's somebody out there that can knock him off. I'm, I'm, I'm confident. I was thinking about it, you know, listening back to it, like, you know, we have to come up with a whole new set of questions. It was pretty hard coming up that first set. <laughs> well, we got our feet wet now. We kind of know how to do it. It'll be fine. There's plenty of stuff to ask Ian. Plenty of stuff. That's true. Yeah. We just got to dig deeper. Right? I mean, like what was the second song first set of, uh, Columbus, Ohio, 06. Now see, now we can't use that one. Yeah. <laughs> people are going to go out. People are going to go out and, uh, look for it. But yeah, we, uh, thanks to Jeff Morton. We'll have him on again. We're going to do the rich Robinson solo album flux with Jeff at some point. Absolutely. I, I also didn't realize till I was listening back to the episode that that was the first time Jeff had been on with us because we'd, we'd been on his stuff and we talked to him all the time. I never realized he'd never actually been on. Yeah, we were kind of waiting for the right the right time to have him on the right subject, which is uh, what we try to do with most of the people that we have on. Yes, and it looks like the right time to have him on was when we could embarrass him in Black Crows trivia. <laughs> oh, poor guy. He took that loss hard, I think. I mean, he went up against Muhammad Ali. I know. That's, you know, you can't, you, you got to just feel good that you were there amongst the, uh, the, the biggest contender. Right. Yeah. But that was fun. We're going to do more of that in the future. Definitely. And, uh, in other news, the, uh, Brothers Robinson did a one off Brothers of a Feather show down in Florida, uh, just recently. And, uh, our good buddy, friend of the show, Rex Cunningham, put together a nice full video of it. It's very nicely taken video, probably from the first to second row. And uh, nice performance, I thought. I thought it was. I watched uh, about half of it this morning, and um, it was apparently raining the whole time. And um, Mm. they did it on 30A, which is a a beachfront road down in Florida. I've been down there many, many times. Absolutely beautiful. It's a songwriter's festival. Sounded like they had a good crowd for them. Looking at the set list... um, you know, Garden Gate, O Josephine, Woe Mule. They did play Under a Mountain, which I, I haven't gotten to that part, but I want to see that. I, I think that would sound great, the two of them. Then, uh, let's see, got Descending, got a closer of Willing. 
when you watch Rich play these acoustic shows and he's the only one playing the instrument, he can sound like two or three people at one time. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, he is he is a fantastic player. And uh, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily think of somebody that doesn't play the majority of the leads to be like this great player, but he's one of the best in terms of for lack of a better term, the rhythm guitar parts, you know. Yeah, he just absolutely kills it. They looked like they were having fun. Chris had some, you know, jokes before the show even started, and then once it got going, he he had some more zingers. But you know, you take Boomer Story out of there and Woe Mule. And, I was uh, going to bring up uh, that they played your favorite Boomer Story there. Uh, that and Woe, I just I don't get it. I, clearly, I, I'm in the minority on some of that, and that's fine. Man, they just they do such a good job with Will, and it's almost like they make it their own song. They definitely do. Actually, the only uh, the one that kind of stuck out for me is one that. Uh, you know, I could take or leave is Garden Gate. See, I think it works in that setting. I haven't uh, made it to that point in the show yet, uh, watching it. But uh, to me, that song worked because of you know the all the other instrumentation that they had on the studio version because it's kind of like that. It sounds like an Irish folky kind of tune, you know. We well, you know he joked when they got out there on stage. He said, "We're going to play a English folk music for you guys." That's true. Yeah. I believe he referred to it as the sockiest of all the musics, I think. <laughs> yeah. They looked like they had a good time, though. And uh, Rex Cunningham, you can follow him on YouTube. He has a great YouTube channel. Tons of good Black Crow stuff. Rex is a good guy. And uh, he does a good job. He goes to so many shows. He does a good job of keeping us updated on things. He does. He's really uh, one of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Really, really good guy. He, I'm, I'm jealous of him, all the shows he gets to go to, whether it's the black crows or he tours he's always on the road getting to go to shows he is you know some people have work situations that uh allow for that which is really cool i gotta i gotta but, i gotta figure that out man i know me too you know i've got to figure that out but uh, speaking of really good guys this week we have a really good guy on with us uh somebody that's a friend of the podcast since the beginning very big supporter somebody i knew prior to starting the podcast uh, from the Magpie Salute fan club days, you know, uh, has a very, very good band called Buffalo Junior, and they're about to put out their second record that features Mark Ford on every track on guitar. Actually, the album is built to Buffalo Junior with Mark Ford, uh, and that's uh, the chief songwriter and guitar player, Mr. Rick Stout's going to be on with us. Rick's been one of our most vocal supporters from day one, and uh, he's been very, uh, very giving to you and I, has sent us a lot of stuff in the mail, and He's always very supportive, and so we've wanted to have him on, and just kind of like everything else, we needed the right way to have him on, and this was a, a really good, fun interview for me, and um, you know, we wouldn't tell you his music is good and have him on here if we didn't think it was. It's a really good album. I was telling him at the beginning, like, I love the album cover. The album cover sucks you in kind of mm. right from the start, but it's great singing. It's great playing. Mark plays great on it. And so, um, it, it, it's good. It was really, but more importantly, it was just fun to have him on. He's a really nice person. Oh, definitely. I mean, and any, any fan of this band and, and people that listen to this podcast will definitely like the record. You know, it's got all the right elements in it. It's good for guitar fans. It's good for, you know, rock fans. It's good for Southern rock fans. You know, there's a whole, all kinds of things. Good for stones, loving people, you know, just uh, all kinds of fun stuff in there. Really liked it. Uh, it comes out February 1st on the digital platforms and uh, CD. And then the vinyl will be out after that. Uh, Rick, like many other people, 
is experiencing problems with vinyl production. A lot of delays, you know. All right. And so Rick gave me a test pressing to give away. Yes. And so I have it here at my house. And here, you know, I hadn't discussed this with you, but I took executive privilege. Here's the contest. Take a picture of you listening to our podcast. Put it on Instagram. Tag us in it and tag Rick Stout. R.W. Stout on Instagram. Tag both of us in it and the first one to tag us. U.S. only, unfortunately, right now. But um, tag Rick and tag us in it, the picture of you listening to the episode, and we will get it out to you. Unfortunately, that is a uh, U.S. listeners only contest that David mentioned, but I will be getting some CD copies in of the album as well, and I'll open that up to U.S. and international listeners so we can get some of those CDs out there and into your hands. Yeah, and, and follow Rick on on instagram and so he's a good guy he's put a lot of time and effort into this and i would think probably a lot of money and he is a massive crows fan so uh let's support let's support our fellow brothers and sisters also johnny colt is back on active on twitter you can follow him at johnny colt tv he has opened his twitter back up and he will be active on that, so follow him for all his endeavors. We'll tell you that he uh, he does have a Patreon. You can find that on a link tree in his Instagram. We're having a lot of fun with his weekly Zoom calls uh, with him. Lots of fun. And uh, he tells great stories. We get to see sneak peeks of things that haven't come out yet. And uh, he's just really getting going with that one. But we kind of got a little community going with that Zoom call. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We had a really, really good call last Sunday, about an hour and a half. Absolutely. But uh, more importantly, David, what do we have to announce? Hopefully we're going to go live with it with the next episode, but we are starting a Patreon. Now let me say, disclaimer up front, Patreon will in no way interfere with this podcast whatsoever. This podcast will always be free. This podcast will always be the focal point. The reason we're doing Patreon is, many of you know, we send out a lot of free stuff. Like We gave away eight free shirts last night on Twitter. We ship out albums, we buy box sets, and it gets kind of expensive. So what this is, it's going to be a little way for us to recoup some of that and, and kind of build our war chest. One of the things we are talking about last night is on the next tour, giving away tickets to shows and stuff like that. So as you know, that can get really expensive. So we're going to have all the explicit details of it uh, on the next episode. There's one or two things I'm still finalizing to throw in there, but it's probably going to be around $10 a month. And uh, some of the perks that we have, there's going to be a bonus episode that only you get to listen to every month. We're going to have uh, monthly Zoom hangs. Some of those are going to have special guests. Our first one is going to have a really big special guest. Uh, I'm going to hold off on, on, on the person's going to do it. I just got to make sure we got all our ducks in a row, so to speak, on that one. So the first Zoom hang, I promise you, is going to be a good one. And then we're going to offer... Um, discount on some of our future merchandise there's we're going to do exclusive patreon giveaways let's see what else is it in we're going to uh we're going to pick people from patreon to come on the show we're going to have some stickers made and then the, there's there's two things i got to finalize but one of them is going to be something very very exclusive that only you can get from patreon and it's from somebody that's part of the crows put it through that way yes. and uh I've just got to finalize that all everything's agreed upon on all that. We just have to finalize it. So the zoom hangs, sometimes we're going to have 
guest on there to come on with us. Probably most of the time it's just going to be us and we can all sit and chill and talk. And the bonus episode uh, will be something that only Patreon members can listen to. It's going to be just Ian and I turn on the microphone and some of the bonus episodes are going to be all Black Crows related. Some of them not, but it's just going to be us kind of chatting and and talking. But um, again, the podcast will always be free. The free podcast will always be our focus. This is just a little way for us to recoup some of the cost and, and put some money in the war chest, so to speak. Absolutely. And I don't want anybody to think that, uh, you know, all of a sudden we're trying to uh, profit off this or anything like that. It's really just everything's going to go back into the show. And the uh, the main interviews and the big guests and everything will still be on the free podcast. And there's just a little extra something we can do for those that are interested. And if, uh, if you don't uh, feel the need to join or, or not in for it, that's totally fine. Yeah, I've, I've, we've been approached about possibly having some ads and stuff on here, but I'm just a little squeamish on that and don't want this to become something that, that, that we didn't start out to have. So that's how we're going to do things. If nobody signs up, it's not going to hurt our feelings. It's fine. We're still going to keep giving stuff away. But I think it's, for what we're offering, I think it's a pretty going to be a pretty good value. And like I said, first guess is going to be a big one. It's a home run right out of the, uh, right out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope people will get on board and join in with us. Yeah, so we're going to give all the specific details on that next week, but just kind of have that in mind. Like we said, the this podcast is not going to be affected in the least from it. So six or seven months or so, we've been kind of knocking the idea around, and I just thought it was time to, to do it because we, uh, we just sent out five albums, a box set, eight shirts. So it gets a little expensive, and shipping – you know, is, is not cheap either. So like we said, it's not going to affect this podcast one bit. If anything, it's going to make this podcast better because we're going to have more money to uh, give, th- give more things away. More Ian Claus year round. That's right. That's right. And uh, we're very excited about it and we hope you will be too. So I don't, I, that's, uh, that's uh, the bulk of uh, what's been going on. You got anything else to add, David? looks like the Crows have announced a, uh, a festival show or two in the spring. So I'm pretty sure that means they're going to be on the circuit again. Yeah, it seems like they're gearing up for some other, some more touring, I would say, which is encouraging. But you also got to think, though, so many shows are, are being announced for the summer, and we haven't heard anything like a run from them. So um, mm. I hope that's in the books. It would be nice. But, I, you know, a lot of people also are still playing it by ear in terms of uh, seeing what's going to happen with all the uh covid changes you know we're gonna be fine ian we're gonna be fine oh yeah i i I would agree i think uh i think this will soon be in our rearview mirror and things will be uh that much closer to normal do you have any shows coming up no i haven't uh it's an odd it's an odd thing wintertime in uh in this area things are cold so obviously no outdoor shows a lot of venues aren't doing much indoors right at the moment so uh you know, things are on like a little mini shutdown up up around this way. I've got the drive by truckers. I've got Jerry Kentrell and just found out uh, I'm going to have a box for uh, Megadeth. A box? Yeah. A buddy of mine has that's, a box at the venue and he's going to let me have it. That's fantastic. Yeah. So I'll, you know, just snap my fingers and have people bring me stuff. 
Yeah, that seems like uh, something I'd like to be a part of one time, you know, sitting there, all the food and drinks, and you're just kind of in this little room. That's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's going to be... that? Uh, it's in, like, mid-April. I've never seen Megadeth before, and I like them in Metallica as far as, like, thrash metal goes. And so uh, I've always wanted to see them, and I really like the lineup with the new guitar player. I thought the last album was the best one probably since um, Cryptic Writings. Yeah, I'd have to agree. That was one of their strongest records to date. So, yeah, I'm excited about that, and hopefully a bunch more stuff's about to get announced. I sure hope so, because I'm ready to roll. Uh, I can't wait to see what the uh, spring, summer, early fall lineups are going to be, and uh, I'm sure you know, I just kind of got some uh, ticket funds waiting at bay to see uh, what comes out so I don't miss out on anything. Are you going to catch that New Kids on the Block reunion? Uh, well, I mean, that goes without saying. I mean, that money's already locked up. Okay. Do you hang tough? Oh, 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 oh. Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, I hate to admit this, but I've actually seen New Kids on the Block. I know that you have because you told me that, but I also know that you don't hate to admit it. I was like in the seventh. I've got to be honest with you. It's like in the seventh grade. And some girls. It's no the, excuse. Some, okay. girls in, some girls in the ninth grade asked me and a friend to go with them. So, I mean, what are you going to do? It's ninth grade girls. You got to go, right? You're in seventh grade. David, don't try to put a, a nice sheen on it. At the core of this is what you've done. And you went to the new kids on the block. <laughs> it's a stain that can never be removed. Yes. His blood will never wash off my hands. <laughs> so see, you know I'm an honest guy, even if I'm admitting to going to see new kids on the block. I've also seen Richard Marks before. See, now, that's that's not as bad to me. Because Richard Marks, although he's, you know, it was more of a pop thing and, and it was kind of caught up in that 80s production values, actually was a strong songwriter for what he did. What's the most embarrassing show you've been to? Hmm. Avril Lavigne. That's not terrible. Uh, you know. But how did that happen? That's uh, the girl I was dating at the time. Was uh, Did she think you were a skater boy? No. She didn't say no, see you later? No mistaking me for that, no. She didn't say see you later, boy? <laughs> no. <laughs> Is it complicated? I don't know why you know all the lyrics. I don't know why you know that. I couldn't even recall it with a gun to my head. What I will say about that that girl, though, not the girl I was going out with, about Avril Lavigne, uh, she did play her own guitars. You know, she had an actual band going, so at least that was happening, you know? She's a musician. I mean, she can she can sing and she can play. Yeah. It's just, I don't know, it's just the, the material's not for me. But yeah, that would have to be the most embarrassing one. Well, speaking of someone that can sing and play, Rick Stout can. So That's right. So let's shuffle it on over to him with the interview we did. And uh, we'll see everybody next time. Rick, first of all, welcome to the podcast. I know we've been trying to get you on for a while, and uh, I think this wound up being the perfect perfect opportunity to have you on. I couldn't agree more. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. 
before we uh before we get started on the album tell us a little bit about how you got into music because i know that's not your primary that's not your that's not the bill paying job right no it's it's not um sadly but um so music's always been a really important part of my life to begin with and i can remember when i was a kid i'm i'm just a, a enough older than you guys that um you know, TV and big kids around the neighborhood is really how you learned about music. Right. Um, so I can remember being, uh, I can remember watching the advertisement for Apocalypse Now and Satisfaction is in that soundtrack. And they showed that scene. And I remember, you know, like they say in the movie, put the zap on me. So I saved up all my nickels and did all my chores and uh, went down to the local record store and got uh, and got Hot Rocks. Oh, who didn't have Hot Rocks? <laughs> and, and, you know, that was just a life-changing event for me. So music was always extremely important for me. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't really, I didn't in earnest start learning music up until around 12 years ago. So I'm late. I was late to the game. What what made you finally decide to do that? Just your love of music, and you're like, I've, I'm just going to go for it. Well, so I had my life in a, in a in a I had my life settled to a point where I could really focus some time and energy in it, and I mm-hmm. always knew that I had music in me. Matter of fact, the house we bought, we selected it because it had a it had a perfect place for me to build a you know a little music studio. Were the Stones your first love? Yeah, the Stones were my first love. Yep. Are they Absolutely. still are they still your first love? If I'm honest, yeah, the Stones are my first love. With the with the Crows, a very close second. Favorite album? Might be Goat's Head Soup or Black and Blue. Goat's Head oh, Soup. David yes. Goat's Head Soup. <laughs> All right. What's what do you think's their most underrated album? I think Goat's Head Soup is their most underrated album. Um, Voodoo Lounge might be a second. I literally was about to say Voodoo Lounge. Yeah. I mean, that album came out 20 years earlier. That would have been entirely different. I mean, you know, I'm I'm preaching to the choir, I guess, because the music I make sounds like it came out in the 70s. But I mean, the only complaint I have about Voodoo Lounge, it's about three songs too long. I I don't disagree. I really enjoyed Steel Wheels. And now Steel Wheels has that 80s production on it. Yeah. I kind of wish they'd go back and remix it. Take some of the big drum sound. That would make a big difference. But yeah, people laugh at me when I'm like, oh, Voodoo Lounge is actually a really good album. Voodoo Lounge is not even a good album. It's a great album. Yeah, it is. And it's funny, you mentioned uh, Black and Blue, which is the one I think is the most underrated album that they have. There's a lot of great tunes on there. People kind of gloss over that one. It's so good. So how did you get into the Crows? So I graduated high school in 88 and music freaking blue. I mean, it was horrible. Um, I mean, I had, uh, I mean, Guns N' Roses Lies was was like a life vest uh, thrown to me. That was a great album, okay? But there was no good music, in my opinion. There was no timeless music, in my opinion, coming out. And then all of a sudden, the Crows came on the scene and, you know, it's like my, my, my ears perked up. I was like, oh my God, what? what is this? You know, this is, this is the, this is good call. This is real music. Right. And I mean, from, from the first chord, I was, I was there. 
w- without a doubt. That's no exaggeration. I mean, did you see them very early on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tons of times. Um, yeah, I saw them. I saw them on the ill-fated tour, <laughs> the ZZ Top tour. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, I can re- I can remember seeing them and thinking how. Well, this must have, this must have been what it was like. They are not they are not a Stones copy band, okay? I, they get a lot of criticism for Stones and Faces mm-hmm. and all that shit, okay? And and we all have our influences, and you you've heard my album, and I have influences. Everybody has influence, right? They are uniquely themselves, and there are elements that are similar to those other great, you know, lasting musicians that we love. But I can remember thinking to myself, wow, this was the energy and the complimentary guitar work, frankly, that must have been like seeing, you know, the Stones in the early 70s. And uh, being that you kind of got in on the ground floor with the Black Crows, uh, I know this is something that kind of occurs to me and I'm sure David, too, from doing the podcast. But did you ever think in in your wildest imagination you'd actually be working closely with some of the key players of the band oh. you know, down the road? Uh, obviously, no. You know, it was, um, you know, music and how music is, is enjoyed today is, has changed so much, right? So, I mean, my kids today, I, I have two daughters, and, you know, they go see a show, and it's entirely different from what we see. When we would go see a show, there was a real possibility that maybe you'd get to somehow say hi to somebody right mm-hmm. you're not gonna so, get to speak to beyonce <laughs> exactly yeah it's, or harry styles right yeah um and, and that's not a comment on on them at all it's just a comment on you know the machine that music is now you know the industry is now um so no to answer your question Ian, i never ever in a million years would have would have thought that because that's how that's kind of how you and I first met up, uh, you know, a couple because we knew each other before the podcast started and things like that. And then right. it was through the through the Magpie Salute uh, channels. Yeah. And um, you would actually put together an, a private acoustic show with uh, Rich and Mark in about 2018. I and kindly invited me up and I came up and that was great. How did you kind of get involved in doing stuff like that? So I got to know. Mark, and I don't want to oversell things, right? I mean, I'm not buddies with these guys. You know what I mean? You know, we're acquaintances. They know me. Um, They've been very gracious. And, you know, you guys have always mentioned the same thing that I've experienced. All of them are are humble, all the ones that I know fairly well. Um, So I got to know Mark when he was doing the Vulture. And uh, we did a, we put together a small private, concert for him when he did a little mini new england tour <clears throat> matter of fact I, I i think i'm accurate it's it was the live debut of that music so i mean you know to hear devil in the details live and i mean it was just like blow your mind away so i stayed in touch and um then i i met rich i met rich oh i met rich through doug Redler. Um, the longtime guitar tech, Rich's longtime guitar tech years ago. Right. And um, Rich was very gracious. And I, I 
kind of mentioned in passing, hey, you know, if you ever, would you ever be interested in doing maybe a private gig? And he said, well, I don't know, maybe, you know, he was being nice. <laughs> um, but I had, um, I guess he gave me the contact of somebody and I reached out and you never know unless you ask if something's going to happen. So make a long story short, um, I saw them up at, um, at, the, at Rich's second Woodstock when Mark and, and, and Sven and Ed were there right. and talked to Rich a little bit, uh, just kind of keeping the fires burning. Uh, saw Mark again real briefly. Oh, and then I bought a guitar from Rich. So when yeah. I bought a guitar from Rich, I kept, I, I kept in touch. And when they put Magpie together, um, I reached out and said, hey, how about, how about a little acoustic duo with you guys? I think we could do something really cool with, you know, about a hundred really diehard fans. And they said, yeah, let's make it work. It was, uh, it was an excellent time. I was probably one of the top five shows I've ever experienced. It was, it really was. You, you, I, I'm glad to hear you say you. that. Yeah. Very glad to hear you say that. It was certainly one of, it was my top, top three shows. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> I, I told, uh, I told my wife, it was a couple of years ago when um, the lottery got up to like 1.1 billion. Yeah. And she was like, what would you do with that? As first of all, the black crows are playing in my backyard. I'm picking the set list. It's going to be about four hours long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five of us there and I'm getting pink Floyd back together in my backyard. Yeah, right, right, right. right. Uh, <laughs> that's cool though. You know, that's a big thing now. They, I think they call them couch tours where you'll yeah. have, um, you know, people come. I've, I've had some friends that have actually hosted them before and it's really cool. Cause um, I mean, obviously it's not cheap to get somebody like that there, but it's a unique experience. And I kind of wish, more people would would do that because it's like you said if you go to a house show to see somebody and you pay that amount of money you're a fan and you're not going there to talk play on your right. phone you're exactly. going there to like exactly. hang on every note and i would think right. that would be a fun environment so music is my spirituality mm-hmm. and i look at it as an investment in in in, in a memory you know and yeah, music is really important to me, and I've communicated that. I know this is a I know this is a podcast on the Black Crows, and it's 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 not about you know Rick Stout, but and his music, but you know they have been a real meaningful part of of my life, as I know they have yours, David. You've said it in the past, something along the lines of you know they've they've made the good times better and the bad times a little more tolerable, or something along. That's exactly that's exactly what I told Chris. Yeah. And I, I was kind of nervous to say that to him because it does sound kind of fanboyish, but I, I guess it was kind of the way I said it. It's genuine. And, and he, 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 he chest bumped me. That's and he, right. And he was like, he was like, that's what I'm MF and talking about. Absolutely. And I, right. And I remember it because it was at a meet and greet and my, I went back to the hotel and my wife's like, how'd it go? I said, I kind of got like a chest bump from him. I was like, yeah. uh, that's uncharacteristic. <laughs> Yeah, I, I remember the first time I met Rich. I actually had to stop myself. I I was almost I was like I got emotional. I was like I was t- because I wanted him to know that you know what he did mattered so much to me. You know, I I, I literally had to catch myself. <laughs> um, well, and it's not like in a cheesy way. It's not absolutely. like when I was growing up, New Kids on the Block was real big, and like if my sister would have met. Donnie Wahlberg, it'd have been like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know what? Like, we're like, man, like it's it's a totally different thing. I tell my wife all the time, 
because I I sent her to see Beyonce a couple years ago for her birthday or whatever, and I I, mm-hmm. I, I paid for a friend to go with her, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she was like, "Don't you think?" I said, "Yes, she's talented, but she means absolutely nothing." And I said, "If if somebody called and said Beyonce was in our neighbor's house, and Mark Ford was in the other house, I'm not going to see Beyonce a hundred times out of a hundred. I'm going to see Mark. Oh, Ford. absolutely, of course. Yeah, of course. You know, and I think I think they get it." when you they meet somebody that's genuinely moved you know it's like um our buddy steve gleason has seen him 152 times yeah and he, you yeah. know he told gorman that and gorman was like no thank you thank yeah. you yeah you know because we've all probably spent way more money than we should following him around the country and yeah oh gosh yeah i can't tell you how many copies of southern harmony i've had uh, right, you know right, between right. cassettes and dvs uh, uh cds and now and now, Vana, we'll get back to the Crows in a second, because the reason we wanted to have you on here is your band Buffalo Junior has an album coming out, but it's credited to Buffalo Junior with Mark Ford. Absolutely. And you were kind enough to send uh, me a CD, and then I didn't have a CD player anywhere in my house or in my, my vehicle. And so you were very kind to send me a uh, test pressing, and you sent me a second test pressing that we're going to give away as a contest for someone. And we talked about that in the intro, uh, how we're going to give it away. Cool. But first thing I want to tell you, I love the album cover to me. It looks like it could have been a grateful dead album cover. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I'm glad people are still paying attention to detail on things like that. I will take credit for having designed and sketched it, mm-hmm. but I did not, I did not paint the final, what you see there. Brian, who did the uh, who did the artwork, um, knocked it out of the park. He took my my sketch, really faithfully reproduced it in, in very artistically. From the advanced copies I've shared with some people, uh, the cover is certainly a, a hit. Yeah, well, I, I tell people like, first of all, I'm glad people still put time and effort into that. And I know, like, you know, nowadays you don't really go into a store and you see. Uh, you know, an album cover, unless you like in a record shop, but like you're not going to walk in Target, you know, and see albums or whatever. And and now everybody has access to everything. But like when I was growing up, I bought records sometimes or CDs just based on the album cover. Of course. Now, now sometimes I got burned. Like, yeah, I, I bought this like cheesy hair band named Steelheart. <laughs> their album cover looked good, you know, yeah. and I bought that. But then like how great were like those Megadeth? album covers yeah i did the 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 artistry of of the whole album cover and of course then you had the interior right i mean right. you had whatever was going to wait inside you know waited inside for you no well part of part of my approach to art and music is is my favorite form of art is to look at things holistically so it's really important for me to make the whole thing go all the way right the the jacket is is perfect, but like David said, you can you know you can pick up an album, and that the cover looks great, and the music is terrible. But unfortunately, in this case, uh, this album is fantastic, Rick. Uh, I mean, the interesting thing about this, you know, obviously Mark Ford is on, you know, all Every the tracks, track. but, and this is really what I've always tried to say about Mark as a musician, and it's really a credit to him as a musician he doesn't like take over the proceedings where he easily could cause he's Mark Ford, you know, but he, he 
he holds back where he needs to hold back and he really becomes a part of the collective sound. I really think that's great on this record. Like he said on your podcast, you know, he likes the paint, right? Yeah. And he's the, he's, he's consummate professional. And so the way we recorded this was the rhythm track was myself, Eric uh, Lichter, who is de facto part of Buffalo Jr., uh, and, and Mike Petrucci on drums, we recorded the, the rhythm track, you know, we get the bass rhythm track down. And then I added scratch, scratch vocals for, you know, spacing. And then I sent them to Mark and I would, I would give some very high level kind of vision of what I was kind of thinking for this, for, for the lead parts. But ultimately I said to him, you know, Mark, you, you play what you feel, because if you play what you feel, who am I to stand in the, get out of the way of Mark Ford, right? Right. I mean, what am I going to do? So play what you feel. Um, so the way that that reflects itself in the, in the album is like on, um, like on cold sweat breaking. Uh, I think I, I think I said, um, I really could hear some wah influenced lead on here and, and and you know bam casey swings and hits it out of the park right it's like but it but he plays to the song like he always does yeah no it's I, that's one of the songs i had, I had noted down is, is i know from being a fan of the band for so long that that's mark but i mean really it's just it's something almost subtle that kind of fits into the the overall framework of the song but i think that's great it's almost like a black moon creeping kind of vibe yeah. on yeah, yeah. Do you play any lead on it at all? Uh, this album, I played a couple little lead fills. You know, get out of the get out of the way of Mark. I mean, <laughs> there are there are there are some little lead fills that I have on there. I've got some like really uh, wad out little little fills and everything, but uh, not any of the main leads. I did on the first album, but not on this one. It's funny, you asked me about my favorite album. And I mm -hmm. said Go Goat's Head Soup, right? So mm -hmm. the reissue came out during the during the during this, right? And I have to probably admit to having some uh some liminal uh you know goat's head soup wah on the brain <laughs> when we were doing a lot of this. And that that uh package was not cheap, but it was worth it. It was entirely worth it. Um that I was telling somebody. That is one of the greatest remastering jobs I have ever heard. I mean, absolutely amazing. And um, I don't know if you're an REM fan or not, but they just re-released an album called uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi. It's the the re yeah, they yeah. they remastered it as good as Goat's Head. So well, back to the album. Did you were you primarily the writer lyric for lyrics and music? Yeah, I wrote everything. I mean, was this songs that have been like percolating for a while or? No, the way I, so it was, I guess it was probably 10 months. So 10 months, uh, I, what I usually like to do, so this is only my second album, what I usually like to do, but what I have done on every album is mm -hmm. uh, I'll have two to three songs that are in generally really good shape, mm -hmm. go in, see how they're taking root. And then as we're recording and working on those, write the, write the new songs on the run, you know, as we're, as we're going. So uh, yeah, I generally have a I generally have a mood that I have in mind for an album mm -hmm. for the album. 
So there are several songs that I, we didn't release that didn't quite fit the mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, this, this one, this album, I want it to be much more electric. You know, I think, I think the first side just, and I, and I put, the, put the song order, you know, purposefully for this. I think side A, just like, you're done with that and you feel like you've been hit by a fleet of Mack trucks. Yeah, you come out of the gate hot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just keep pushing, just keep pushing, just keep pushing. Well, one of the things um, that I think I even text you, for a guy from Connecticut, you sure do sound and, and can tell you like Southern rock. Um, yeah, yeah, and, that's that's a great compliment for, from you, by the way. <laughs> well, one, one of the things that I noticed, first of all, and you may not have ever listened to this band, your phrasing and vocal stylings are a lot like Damon Johnson from a band called Brother Kane. You and mentioned that band, and I have I have to look them up. They uh they their first album, their debut album is one of my favorite debut albums of all time. They had a song called "Lie in the Bed I Make," "Got No Shame." But so when did that album come out? Brother Kane, ninety three, ninety four. Okay. All right, all right. I'm definitely gonna get that. You, you're you're gonna you're gonna love it. It's uh yeah, you're you're got no shame. Uh, that don't satisfy me or, or great songs. But anyway, you you do convey your influences with your voice. There's one song in particular I wanted to ask you about. It's my favorite one on there. On your dime. Oh, the tasteful playing of you and Mark on that. It's almost hypnotizing at the beginning. Tell me a little bit about because that that's my, that's my, that's my favorite song on the album. So if I'm depressed, Buffalo mist is my favorite song on the album. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm not on your dime is my favorite song on the album. And this is difficult for me to say because it's like trying to identify which child is your favorite, right? <laughs> right. But, so interesting. That was the last song I wrote. I, I picked up a, a new to me guitar and I said, oh, I got to go play this. So I went upstairs in the studio where I'm talking to you right now, mm-hmm. started playing around and 15, 20 minutes later, I had, I had, I had the, the rhythm part of that song down. I knew what I wanted to do. And skipping to the mixing, when we were mixing that song, it, was not, it wasn't the last song we mixed. But when we were mixing that song, I looked at Eric and I said, oh, man, if I drank and did drugs, I would just put this song on repeat for like three days. <laughs> It's just a great, I love that song. So well, the, thank you the, for it's, noticing it's, that. it's layered at the beginning and it's almost like you're floating a little bit. And then the other song I wanted to ask you about, and I, I don't, I can't remember the name, but it's the instrumental. What, what, what was the name of it? Tongue and Groove. Was that something that happened purposefully or were you guys just in the studio and came up with that? And then like, Hey Mark, can you add something to this? Oh, so that, that song had its roots written acoustically, believe it or not. Uh, that song, we were, we were gonna, uh, some guys, I was put, we were getting ready to, to, to play and we were doing a sound check and I came across that kind of intro open G riffing and uh, that song, that song too, didn't take that long to write, um, but I definitely had a full, you know, on song that we recorded and, when I was, when it came time to put scratch vocals down, I did have lyrics for it, but I said, you know what? I think I'm going to just 
keep this instrumental. I did an instrumental on the first album. And so when he sent it back, I was really glad that I kept it as an instrumental. I guess the the question that we're kind of skipping over too is is how do you come to have Mark Ford make such a, a sizable contribution to your record like this? Like how did that all come to be? Well, I guess that um you know when when I had gotten to know him a little bit when we worked on the vulture, I think he appreciated that. Uh and he's a he's a great stand-up humble guy. And I don't know, it's kind of like what goes around comes around. So if you're a decent human being and you, you meet decent human, Hey, kind of like how I got here today. Right. I mean, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. if you're just a nice, if you're just a good person and you try to take care of people the best you can and help them out, that's what I mean by that. Take care of people, help them out whenever you can, any way you can, if you, if you have the ability to, and then, you know, COVID hits and the, and there's an awful lot of talent sitting on the sidelines. And luckily I was in a position to reach out and say, Hey, you know, here, here, here are some demos and here's the first album I did. Do you think it's something that you might be interested in? And he graciously said, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll help you out. Did you say to yourself, like I'm living in some alternate reality? <laughs> I, I'm still not, you know, sure it really happened. <laughs> We're um, in the matrix. It, it's the coolest thing I've ever accomplished. And I don't mean to sound like, again, like a fanboy, right? But um, I, I hope, my, my, my thought and, and my effort, I, I hope that the music, you know, stands on its own two feet. I, I, I think it does. Ultimately, people who listen to it will make their own decision. I, since I wrote a lot of the songs, most of the songs, after I knew he was going to be involved, I, I'm pretty happy to say that, um, I didn't change my approach. So the same kind of thought and mood that I wanted to set for the album stayed the same. Um, it just so happened that I was able to enlist, you know, somebody of, of his sizable talent to, to participate in it. I will say this, Rick, uh, towards what you're saying. I mean, although it is fantastic that uh, Mark uh, contributed so much to the record, the songwriting itself, if you were to, Take away Mark's contributions, the songs would still stand on their own, and this hey, would be a very that strong. Means a lot. Thank yeah, you. It'd be a hugely strong record. I mean, and that's not taking anything away from Mark, but it's a you got to have a good foundation to build a house on. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I like to think that if it was a piece of shit, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have done any had anything to do with it. He would have found <laughs> a nice gracious way to back out, right? Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, it's Mark Ford. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was telling Ian, I always get nervous when somebody sends me their own music. Because it could be good or crap or it could be really bad. But then like, you don't want to say, you know, you don't want to be like, oh, this is the second coming of dark side of the moon. But then you don't, you know, but you don't want to like, because I, like you said, these songs are like your children. So when I, when I put the CD in, I was like, please be good. Please be good. Please be be passable. Yeah. And so I remember I sat, I just told my wife, I said, I'm I'm borrowing your car for the afternoon. I've got a CD I've got to listen to. And uh, I just drove around for like an hour, hour and a half listening to it. And I was like, this is really, this is, it's really good. It's not like. It's not good because it's Mark Ford. Right. It's not poorly produced. It sounds good. You know, the songs have, that's, that to me is what stood out to me is the, it has layers. It's not one guitar and the same guitar plays over that with a lead because that that's obviously not the case. You both kind of have your own styles. 
But I got to ask you, is Tuckahoe River, is that an actual river? It's actually, it's actually, uh, it's, it's not really a river. It's, it, that song, that song is one of the few songs where the lyrics came first. So uh, that's Tuckahoe uh, Stream or Tuckahoe Lake is where Frederick Douglass was born. Okay. And, you know, I don't fancy to write political songs, but that song is really about the horrors of racism in the United States. So right. there's references to John Brown. And you know, if you listen to the song, there's lots of references there. So I took poetic license and made it river because that really added a lot to the. Right. If I have this correctly, it's coming out February the 1st, right? It's going to come out February 1st uh, digitally and CD. It'll be, you know, on your typical Spotify and C uh, CDs available. Um, if anybody wanted, they could contact me. RWstout at Comcast.net. Although you'll be able to buy it online, like I said, at Amazon or or CD Baby. And I do have vinyl, but vinyl has been so backordered mm. that what I'll do is I'll do probably a special um, you know, promotion when the vinyl is finally, the vinyl was supposed to be done by now. Uh, so, so the vinyl is going to look just like the CD, but on 180 gram vinyl. Well, just well, like, uh, just like everybody else at Dell slowed you down, huh? Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can you, can you believe that? that I mean, I amazing. can, I can because it's so much money involved, but my gosh. Yeah. And one of our listeners is going to get a test pressing and, Rick signed it. I think it's, I can't see it from I think it says play it loud. Yeah. Um, and so loudly, uh, because loud, I, I did it grammatically correct. Yeah. Loudly. Loudly. And, yes. Yeah. And uh, it's an actual test pressing. Like it's a white jacket. The album right. doesn't have anything on it. So it's kind of cool. You'll be one of the few people that has that. And you said it's going to be on Amazon and CD Baby. CD Baby, uh, Spotify. Uh, all the all the all the usual we like to tell people to go buy it don't stream yeah. it for free yeah i mean i would really love people to buy it right but you know everybody's going to do what they're going to do i would imagine that if i could get people to go listen to one of the tracks on the digital they'll say oh yeah i do want to own this
we haven't even mentioned the name of the album. It's Indigo Groove. Which oh is, yeah, which, which Indigo is a, Groove. Which is a very, what's a very cool name, I think. Do you have uh, do you have plans once we uh, get out of this COVID time warp? Do you have plans to take this on the road a little bit, or, or what are you thinking? I don't know. That would that remains to be seen. It's pretty tough. I mean, who am I going to have play lead guitar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, I really, first of all, I appreciate you sending me two copies of it. Um, and I, I there's only four in the world of those, David. <laughs> and somebody's going to enjoy the uh, the test pressing that that we're going to give away. I meant to ask you, actually, I meant to ask you this before we came on, but did you catch the crows on this last tour? I did. Where did you see them? Uh, I saw them at, uh, in Hartford. Okay, that so that was one uh, of the first shows, right? Yep. I was. They were great. I mean, they were really tight. Everybody that they had knew, right? Mm-hmm. I thought was excellent. The energy level was great. You know, you, we three here and probably everybody listening to us, that wasn't the lineup that we would have preferred to see. And it wasn't the song set list that we would have preferred to see. I understand everybody's got lives. And I, I, only, want, I only want all the guys, all their families happy and safe and healthy, right? That's all I want. So I don't lament the fact that it wasn't, you know, the 2000 and, uh, 2005 tour or whatever. You know what I mean? No, I thought they were, re- I, they were really good, really good. I reached out to Rich afterwards and, and said, wow, man, I, I think I said something like uh, expectations exceeded or something like that. <laughs> well, he, I think he was enjoying playing in those larger places because, man, he was loud. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still think it's cool that how they opened it with twice as hard. I remember yeah. the the first one in Nashville. I guess somebody had like put up a video shortly after because I mean, I was like, what's the set gonna gonna look like? Well, I mean, what's the stage gonna look everything, like? Everything was great. Yeah, and and he comes out and the spotlight turns on and he just hits yeah. those that those big chords, and you're like, This is a rock show. Yeah, <laughs> no, it it was they, they reminded you, you know, what what they are and I think I've heard Ian, you say this a couple of times or something along those lines, but you know, I really, really was enjoying Magpie. Yeah. Everything about it with the exception of nobody came out for some unknown reason. I just don't understand that, but it it was, it was, it was kind of in my mind, kind of like what, you know, Delaney and Bonnie and friends must've been like, you know what I mean? It was just like a, it was like a musical review. It was just phenomenal. Well, and I'm I'm sure you know. Obviously, you know those guys a little bit better than us. But when we've talked to like Sven and Mark and Slocum, it, they just say like, "What a that first tour! It was just like what a musical collective was. It's like we were just a band oh, of brothers. It was awesome. And awesome. I, I mean, I do hate it financially that it didn't work out. But when I saw them, it's probably 150 or 200 people there. But everybody that was there was into it. Yeah. And yeah. there was no, it was almost like there was no barrier between the, the fans and the band. Yeah. And we're just yeah. all at a party late at night having a blast, you know? And like they, right. obviously they played very, very, very few of the Black Crows hits. And they right. went, you know, they went deep and even played some songs that I've never even heard, you know, the Crows play. It, it's just, it's just a shame that probably never going to get to see that again. Probably from anybody. I, right. I, I mean, you know, one of the things that I always, you know, as the time went on, I saw the crows more and more and more is not only are their songs perfect, 
but you know, like every cover they do is just freaking perfect and just adds to the element. You know what I mean? Yeah. When we made this album, Indigo Groove, I, I always have the same end result in mind. And it's, if I didn't know it was me and I put this album on, would I be fucking punked? Right. And that's what I want is the end result, you know? I right. Like, now, hopefully that's, hopefully we've succeeded. You have. Hey, thanks. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I think it's such a great record. I encourage anybody to to pick this up wherever you can and to go groove Buffalo Junior with Mark Ford. Such a great record. Now, you're a bit of a gearhead, aren't you? Yeah, I am. What's your favorite guitar that you own? My favorite guitar is this old Fender Telecaster that's beat the shit that I always <laughs> keep an open five-string open G. And a close second is um, Wide Sky guitar P125. He's a He's a... Patch Rubin builds those. He's a great guy. I gave Mark one of the one of his guitars, and I know that he played it on on this album on several songs. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that was really cool. So yeah, so so those are my two favorite guitars. So the the five string Open G Telecaster that's got to be a la Keith Richards, right? Yeah, uh, it is. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard I've heard that he just if somebody strings his guitar up with the top string, he just rips it off. Very, very unique way of playing. All right. Rick, you know, sometimes when we have people on here. We like to do a lightning round of questions. You up for it? Yeah, sure. Favorite Crows album? Lost Crows. Oh, I like that one. Um, favorite Crows guitarist that isn't named Mark Ford. Oh, Rich Robinson. <laughs> well, that's a good one, too. <laughs> that's an easy one. You're sneaky, Rick. <laughs> He's fantastic. I mean, he can do everything. What do you think is their least appreciated album? Probably War Paint. I, I thought that that album really, really was a fantastically great album. And I, I guess I was, as a big fan, I was surprised that it didn't get more traction, play, and bringing of new fans to their fan base. Favorite Black Crows tour? 2005. Yeah. How many shows yeah. did you see on that one? Oh, uh, more than 10, less than 20. Wow. What is your, <laughs> what is your, what is your favorite unreleased track? Hmm. I know they've done just want to see, see his face live a number of times, but I thought that they, I thought that they did a, a studio treatment of that. I haven't they, heard it. They, I, I was fortunate enough to see that them do that live, which I thought was great, but I could be, maybe I'm wrong about that, but. I guess that's my answer, and it might be a bad answer. And just because uh, we have some Magpie history, what's your favorite track? Uh, a Mission. All right. Yeah, I mean, I really love it. Kind of kind of different than all the other stuff, all the other original yeah. stuff they put out. Yeah. I, t- talk about underappreciated. I mean, High Water 2 was completely underappreciated. I mean, I, I, thought, guess it, I, I thought it was better than the first one. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I don't know if it is blasphemy to say that. I, I thought it was, it was more consistent. I, I more consistent. That's the right word. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it had a little bit of everything. Yeah, and Mark's it. tune, what is it? Lonely Boy? I really Lost thought that Boy. was great. Yeah, that was a great tune. I would argue that it's probably the best tune on the record. Yeah, I, 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 might, I might vote that as my favorite on that album. All right, what's your favorite Rich Robinson guitar? Well, my favorite Rich Robinson guitar, he doesn't own anymore, sadly. Um, it, it was his Esquire. It's, it's a single pickup Telecaster. It's, it, he used it on Brothers of a Feather. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know uh, what you're talking okay. about. 
I, I love that guitar. I really love that guitar. I imagine being a guitar tech for him is very stressful. <laughs> oh, I imagine I imagine you're right about that. He may use 10 guitars to show and all of them are tuned differently. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, absolutely. I mean, but a lot of things, isn't it funny? Because a lot of people, you know, you guys know this is not the case, but a lot of people view that as, oh, that's somebody's being pretentious. No, man, you don't understand. All these songs are written in different, different tunings. So you can't just strap on a, a standard, a standard tune guitar. You know, you can't play, you can't play certain songs. You, you, you can play them in standard tuning, but they're not going to sound right. Right. And then Mark's over there keeps basically the same guitar the whole time. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he, play, he plays an Asher. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. A lot. He plays two Ashers. Well, he's three Ashers. Two are the signatures and one is the, uh, what's that? The duo Sonic, the gold one. That's beautiful. Is, is that, is that like a kind of almost like a boutique guitar maker? Yeah. Bill Asher, a uh, really nice guy. He's made a couple pickups. He actually, he's made a pickup on that telly I told you about that I love. Okay. My, fa- my favorite telly. Uh, his, do you know who his mom is? Uh-uh. No. Oh, Elizabeth Montgomery. Is that right? Uh, from Bewitched. From Bewitched. That's wow. Bill Asher's mom. Oh, that's crazy. That's yeah. uh, that's an odd connection. I, I didn't think we'd be talking about Bewitched when yeah. we started the podcast. <laughs> so so I, I was talking to him once and I said, so did you did you personally know Paul Lind? Do you guys remember Paul Lind? He goes, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. I said, I love that guy. He was so <laughs> funny when I was growing up as a kid. I watched all those things in reruns. Right. And I'm like and I'm like, wow, this guy is a character. So, yeah. no. So that's that is a boutique. Uh, and Bill builds really beautifully intricate custom stuff. Probably aren't cheap. <laughs> They're not cheap. <laughs> I'm about to sound like a complete idiot because I don't know. But. What style, who makes the guitar that Rich primarily plays soul singing with? Uh, James, he used to play a, a James Trussart. Um, that's what it was used to record it. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's called a, a steel phonic, beautiful guitar. And is that how he gets that sound on it? Yes. Kind of a, the... For the recording it is. Okay. Yeah, I've seen it. Yes. I think of it as an, as an electric kind of um, like an electric steel guitar almost. Are those expensive? They're not cheap. <laughs> he doesn't make many of those james Trussart doesn't make many of those they don't he doesn't i mean they have a very unique sound mick jagger played one during sway a couple tours ago really yes it it, it looked different because it was different you know it's the same guitar format and everything but it looked different from riches um you know the way it was decorated i guess i'll put it that way the metal was different they're all the, the bodies are all metal on those well, Rick, first of all, thank you for the albums. Thank you. Second of all, you have been one of the most vocal supporters of us since day one. Yes. And uh, we cannot thank you enough. And we've been trying to find, a, like I said, the right reason to get you on here for a while. And uh, I think we found the right reason. And it, it, not only do we get uh, to have you on, we got some, um, some good music. And so the album is Indigo Groove. That band is Buffalo Junior with Mark Ford. We highly, highly suggest you go out and buy it. You're gonna, you're gonna love it. Thanks a lot, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for what you do. Right, Rick. So you know we let people play out. So you get to pick two. You get to pick a song off your album, and then okay. you can pick a song from anybody. It can be the Crows, Neil Young, you name it. Stones. Oh well, no, I think well from another roadside tragedy. I think is what I would like to pick for the other. I love that song. All right, man. 
I love all those songs. Uh, <laughs> and I, I and for one of mine, well, you really talked it up. So why don't you why don't we why don't we defer to uh, On Your Dime? Uh, I'm glad you uh, picked that. I was gonna I was gonna suggest that. <laughs> hey Rick, we will uh, we'll for sure have you on again in the future. It's uh it's nice to actually get to talk to you and yeah. see your face. Yeah. Uh, as you can tell, Ian and I have faces made for podcasting. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, our thanks to Rick Stout. We're going to play out with, uh, let's see, we'll play out first with On Your Dime from Indigo Groove. And then uh, Mr. Steve Gorman with some of his finest drumming ever on another roadside tragedy. Stay tall, everybody. <laughs>